0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 353 featuring Yelmer Boskma, visual effects supervisor over at Scanline VFX in London. Yelmer is a very, very cool guy who I had the privilege of getting to meet uh, and to talk to. He worked uh, more most recently, he worked on The Eternals, but he's done incredible work all over the place and was able to sit down with him and actually talk about his life and the journey of his life which is quite a journey isn't it Kristen?
1: yes it's fast i i loved it like yeah he gives us like the whole rundown um just from starting off kind of in vancouver going to school there um and journey to the center of the earth uh, that was his his first uh work and then he moved on mm-hmm. to tron and sucker punch and then mm-hmm. Um, how he became a visual effects supervisor. I love that story. It was um, the Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And he mm-hmm. kind of submitted uh, his ideas and Tim Burton loved it. And the owner, Scanline, is like, you should be a VFX soup. He's like, okay. But he's super humble about it. Like, um, Right. And he's gone on to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And like you said, Eternals, which is out now. Um, and then you... Kind of, he just goes into a little bit uh scanline when work from home began and just how seamless that was. So it was just interesting hearing, you know, how another studio does the work from home. And uh, he also just, when you asked him about how he thought of Eternals, he just can't comment on it after for another two or three years because, like, you know, everyone's just a perfectionist in this industry and, you know, it takes a minute right. to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is decide. very challenging for us to think, like to to comment on the film that we just worked on, because we see the shots over and over and over again, and it's really hard to sort of objectively think about the the film. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting that way, but nonetheless, it was it was really great to to talk to him and to see his his opinion on these things and and his life's journey and definitely a very very nice sweet and charismatic person. So it was really great to see him and to have him on and thank you so much. And we hope to be able to, uh, to talk to him again. I do want to note though that I know that the news came out recently that Scanline has been uh, acquired by Netflix. Uh, we recorded this podcast before that happened. Uh, so we, he, he, obviously we don't talk about it and we didn't actually know about it during the time of the recording, but hopefully Scanline will be able to, uh, you know, get back with us and give us a little bit more information. I'm sure it's all very new information. They probably can't comment it just yet, but hopefully when they are able to comment on it, We will be able to get a little bit more from them, which would be really cool. Uh, Okay. Now, uh, just a couple of other things we have, uh, even though it's towards the end of the year and generally things wind down, we do have one event coming up. What's going on, Kristen?
1: Yeah, so this Thursday, December 9th, it will be the V-Ray for Cinema 4D workshop. Um, and you will be able to join Stefano and Viola um from the 3D Render and Beyond, which is the first official Chaos Authorized Training Center. Um, and it'll be during this year's D2 holiday time spectacular event. And they will host a two-hour workshop um and show you how to recreate one of uh Zaha Hadid architects. Max Museum of the 21st Century Arts using Cinema 4D R25 and V-Ray 5 for Cinema 4D. So you can find that out, yeah, at chaos.com slash events.
0: That's right. Cool. Wow. That was a, That's a lot of information. So chaos.com slash events is where you find all of this. It Again, it is a Cinema 4D workshop uh, centered around uh, visual effects. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Viz. And it'd be really great to, to, to do that. And again, that was the Cinema 4D and V-Ray 5 for Cinema 4D. Uh, we don't have any new product announcements to coming up right now because obviously, as, like we said, it's the end of the year. But we do have, you know, go check out a bunch of our V-Ray 5 update twos on a lot of our products. You can check that out on our page if you want more information. But if people want to uh, know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go?
1: You can go to Facebook.com slash CG Podcast or chaos.com slash CG and if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgroup TV
0: great and if you guys have any ideas for podcasts or you'd like to comment on this one or other podcast uh, please let us know Uh, labs at chaosgroup.com is the best way to email us Uh, again that's labs at chaosgroup.com and of course don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on Apple podcast and uh, that's about it for now please enjoy episode number 353 Yalmur Basma Welcome to
2: another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passé. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has fun now. I actually have to, uh, before I forget, to say hello from Jesse, James Chisholm.
0: Oh, of course, Jesse.
2: Yeah. It's, did a little bit of uh, a, a day job for them the other uh, last week. Oh, Early nice. this week, actually, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like, I think, oh, you're talking to Chris, yeah, that's... That's class. You
0: just end up drinking whiskey and shooting the breeze. <laughs> well, it's a little early in the morning for that. It is a bit <laughs> early. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. Jesse's Jesse and I worked on several shows together. He's he's a really nice guy. Really oh, great guy. Way to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's cool. Now,
2: I've right. li- a few of my friends have um have popped up on uh, on the podcast before, mm-hmm. so I've, I've listened to their episodes. It's always been been great fun. Just. I'm late to the party, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, yeah, we're, 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 I'm over, I've been doing this for over seven years and I've got over 350 episodes. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm surprised I still know more people to interview. <laughs> that's so amazing. That's really, yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, well, listen, uh, so I know I've, you know, I've, 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 you and I actually worked at DD at the same time on a couple of things. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't know if we actually ran into each other, worked on the same shows. So we, uh, but I want to know a little bit more about you. Oh, and by the way, I want to also say, uh, my friend, Sally Slade, who I talk to, she says hi to you. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yes. All right, Sally, so let's hear your origin uh, story. My Where, whiskey buddy, <laughs> she is a good whiskey buddy. She's a great whiskey buddy. Yeah, uh, but so 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 before you got all these whiskey buddies, what what how how did what's your your origin story? Where did you all start getting into visual effects or getting your passion for movie making? Well,
2: <laughs> speaking of previous guests, uh, that's a, a short departure because that would be uh, my the first guy who hired me was Chris Harvey. Really? Yeah, Frantic <laughs> Films vancouver i uh-huh. was right out of school when when zbrush was still a bit of a niche Mm-hmm. so yeah it was on a, on a show called journey to the center of the earth with with brandon fraser fraser
0: right. fraser <laughs> yeah i always fraser, say fraser too, yeah. but it's fraser <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah um they had just opened up shop in vancouver and uh they were looking for somebody who could sculpt and help with the, with the creatures and Fish, fish creatures, and a uh, plesiosaurus. So I think they got either in touch with uh, Vancouver Film School, which is where where I was just about to graduate from at that point. Um, either that, or it was um, I can't quite place it anymore. It was in a time when CG Talk was sort of the place to be, the big forum where everybody kind of put out their work and. Um, when your reel hit that front page it was that that was a huge deal in terms of exposure so it, I, I forgot if it was through that or just literally directly through the school but it was at the end of my, my studies there and uh, yeah I went in for an interview met with Chris and that was was a lot of fun. It was, it was great so yeah I ended up being there for a year and a half and uh, a fantastic introduction really to the business um, and k- kind of Spoiled for life, it just hey, we have this creature, and can you take care of like all of it at that point and like model lit sculpt did refine, it refine the design a little bit texture it um yeah it was it was great
0: but how did i mean this was was vancouver film school uh, uh teaching c g at that time or was it yeah they were
2: to... it, it was uh, for quite a bit actually their their three d animation program was mm-hmm. uh, f- f- like speaking of c g talk like i was Interested in going there because it seemed that every every two or three months demo reels from their students would appear and just blow up and and it's like this is incredible and and they do it in a year like what kind of <laughs> what kind of magic <laughs> goes on there but I was very curious and applied and got admitted and um,
0: yeah so went went through that let me think. But what was your what 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 was your interest in that and what got you interested in CG before you even got to school?
2: Well, it's it's interesting. I was still kind of finding out what I was what I really wanted to do initially. I thought maybe I want to try and do a short film or learn animation properly. Um, but as soon as I enrolled into the program, you you kind of go through half a year at least back then, half a year of um a little bit of everything. So this is what it takes to get you know an animated character on screen and this is what we call modeling and this is rigging and I had been doing dabbling in 3d at home um, in the the modding modding community which was wow. huge like for games like unreal and and quake right and uh, that's how I kind of got into it and it's like this is this is a lot of fun and I think I want to do more with this I did either that and add a bit of web design so those were the Two things I was was playing around with, and then I, th- I think I want to do this a little bit more serious. So I tried to go to school in the Netherlands, and I felt like this is not it. It's like more classical art school, and I just it didn't mesh with me at that point. So I uh, I ended up like if I, if I want to take this further, this this seems to be the Hogwarts of 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 CG at the time, uh-huh. Noman or Vancouver Film School, right. And it just so happened that, that it turned out to be VFS. And, like yeah, y- y- you get a bit of a, a, a flavor of everything. And then um, I, I really enjoyed the modeling part there. And I think it was one of my, my instructors who actually said, you're going into the modeling stream, right? Because the, 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 lat- the latter half of the year of, that, of your studies, because it is only a year, but mm-hmm. the latter half, you, you essentially spend f- more focus and working on, your, on a demo reel. So you have something coming out of school that you can, you know, shop around. Right. He said you you you're going into modeling, right? It's like I hadn't really <laughs> I hadn't made up my mind, but there was a lot of support for me to 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 go to that direction, and and I did, and I met some some great. I think I was very lucky with fellow students at that time. There were some incredibly talented people around who were, uh, you know, all, all very much aware of, we can be friends now, but we're, we're fighting for the same jobs at the same time. So there's that, that beautiful mix of, of camaraderie, but also a little bit of healthy competition that just ends up pushing everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. so I went through that and, uh, and finished uh, a demo reel. Um, yeah, and just put it online. That's really what it was about, like on the forums right. and... As one of the, I remember being uh, a big part of the, uh, or I loved, loved the, the Z, ZBrush Central, ZBrush community, uh, very enamored with ZBrush, which was around ZBrush 2 back then. Okay. So it's kind of a clunky interface. You, a lot of people hate it. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's so weird. And it's nothing like, it's still this <laughs> it's still it's not it doesn't have the same logic
0: (laughs) that other no it doesn't not at all there's no
2: file save and uh, (laughs) and we we had very limited time to do anything but um i ended up trying to 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 learn it because it's, it's like this is this is the next big thing for sure and this was just this was 2006 2005 2006 mind you so we were just get, leaving Nurb's modeling and getting into, into polygonal modeling, but there was no teaching in ZBrush, right. and Mudbox was just in beta. Yeah. I wasn't even out at that point. So I, I got to learn the ZBrush stuff, and I used it, but just as a sort of a three D projection tool to get fine, fine details into a otherwise completely you know hand modeled the creature. And I posted that it was a chicken, ch- little chicken with hands, like, like a like a dinosaur chicken. Okay. Maybe I have to send you a picture. Sounds really weird. <laughs> but that was like a first piece, and I worked on that for for months, I think, to, to really take it from from start to finish, and then finish it up in ZBrush, do some renders, and I posted that on the on the ZBrush forums, and um, and a day or two later, it appeared on their their featured work, and I was like, oh my god. And I go through the comments and I was like, you know, it's like, do people, is this good? And uh, <laughs> I got a comment from Monster Maker and people said, that's a huge deal. That's Rick Baker. It's like, who, who is Rick Baker? Yeah. No, he's he's incredible. He's won a gazillion Oscars. And it was just a, a, a tiny comment of like, hey, uh, ZBrush is fun. Isn't it, Yomer? And this looks great. It's like five words, but oh my gosh, like, that really lit a fire under my eyes. It's like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And, uh, I guess, uh, I guess I've kind of found my way, my passion. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's, uh, so yeah, took that a little further, two or three more pieces and that's, you're real. And that's all you have at that stage as a student. And that was enough to catch the attention of, a frantic for their, that project they had coming up, they were just finishing up, I believe on, uh, Fantastic Four, Silver Server. Um, yep. Yeah, so ended up staying in Vancouver for a while, longer, and, and, uh, and did that show. Yeah, it was great.
0: So, were you? Were, I mean, did you go to Vancouver for film school or were you already there?
2: No, I'm from the Netherlands originally. Right, so, right. Born so you tried, Yeah. So you yeah, traveled
0: so, from the Netherlands to Vancouver to go to school then, right? Yeah. So I,
2: I had to convince my parents a little bit like, yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the place to go. I know it's far away, <laughs> but trust me. And they did. And, which is ridiculous in hindsight. Like, really? You have to go all the way there? And it's, it costs a fortune like back then it did. Now right. it's even worse. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's criminal, but I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, for me, it, it worked out fen- phenomenally well, but primarily because of the, the, my fellow students, the people that I met and just that's what made it worth it. Just that exposure and that, that camaraderie and that, yeah, f- f- great, great stuff right. for, for everyone during that time. I don't yeah. know what it's like these days. I'm sure it's still great. <laughs>
0: That's good. <laughs> well, there's certainly demand for more people in CG these days. A lot of demand, so that's great. Uh, um, there's
2: a lot of stuff being made. Period. Yeah. There is yeah. so much content; it's yeah. unbelievable.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so you met Chris, who is a great guy, uh, and yes, uh, it was, yes. and it was, it, was, it was really cool. So you ended up at Frantic. For how long were you at Frantic for?
2: I think just a year and a half, maybe. Okay. Um, so Journey was the big thing there. And then I I did a little bit of generalist work on Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Classic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Uh, and then a bit of on set work previous. We had a previous department for Watchmen, mm. uh, which was shooting in uh, in Vancouver. Sex Snyder's Watchmen. So did a little bit of that. And then I felt, I don't know, it got a little. Itchy um, So I, th- I think it's time for me to try some vanelles, and I had a, a friend who you know, Miguel or- Ortega. Oh yeah. Who was at, at Cafe FX at the time in, in Santa Maria.
0: Mm-hmm. and
2: we, we had never met, but just sort of these, these online uh, these online connections back then seemed to be I don't know, they, they just they were my whole world at times, these forums, and it feels, feels like real people like you've known for a long time, but all we know really was. People, our posts and and the work, but we we had been in touch and um, and through him I I ended up doing some freelance work and this was also at a time where I I kind of left to go to Vancouver for studies but um, while I was there my my grandfather passed away and it was just such a. a a divide you know a cultural divide for me like my childhood in Europe in the Netherlands and then you know adulthoods in North America and I, I think I was missing the Netherlands a lot so I, I need to go back uh, just f- felt strongly I needed to you know connect again with friends and stuff because it was not like a, a gradual oh I'm, I'm going I'm leaving home and everything was different like a different language different culture geographically completely across the globe so I needed to touch base again with, with people back home and ended up freelancing for a bit from home uh, for, for CafeFX, um, which, was, which was interesting. A very different experience working remotely, of course. Um, and I did that for about a year, got my driver's license, which I hadn't done before, because <laughs> before I was eligible, I left to Vancouver. Driving age right. is a little higher in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah. So after after that I'm trying to just put the timeline together, but <laughs> at a certain point Image Engine called or it's, right yeah for a show called District Nine,
0: oh, which I nice. know nothing about
2: other than it's creatures. Uh a friend of mine was working on that as well over there. It's like, okay, well, get back get to go back to Vancouver. It sounds like fun. Short contract, couple months. And um uh, the other vendor on the show is Weta, and I'm a big fan of, of the work they did because, you know, just on the heels of the, the Lord of the Rings movies when I was a, a student, so that was hugely inspirational, of course. Right. So I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. That's, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I ended up signing for that.
0: Had you seen, had you seen the, the, the shorts that uh, Neil Blankamp did before? I hadn't at of- that point. No, I All was right. going
2: to... Completely blank on the. Uh, I had two friends, Marco and Juliana, who uh, who were both part of the team already and working on it. And uh-huh. the world seemed a little smaller back then, to my recollection. At least maybe I'm I'm romanticizing it slightly, but, um. Yeah, ended up going back to Vancouver for that project, and it was incredible to. Uh, t- as far as as we 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 don't often you know. Have much influence on the final outcome of the of the film. I mean, that's the the writing, the directing, the performances. We, we do our best, right? But we have no idea if it's going to be a good movie, but this felt very special, right from the start. This felt different and fresh, and with an incredible amount of talent under one roof for that particular project, which was which was nice to be around. And all those people, uh, there's most of them are still you know, either at ILM or even stayed at Image Engine, but they're still around. But they were, you know, pretty damn senior back then already. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really cool to work on that. Um, That was, yeah. And after that, I think I went back, yeah, I went back home again, being the Netherlands, and um, ended up ended up well here's the thing I'll, <laughs> it's getting a bit private if that's okay <laughs> that's sure <laughs> so right at the end of my contract so juliana who is uh juliana kalakis a uh, phenomenal artist and she she did all the texturing on the creatures mind you before mari so that was like getting between the textured tiles it was uh just doing yeah. it in photoshop and we did some rudimentary projection stuff with Z- Z app link, which was uh-huh. like take a flat screenshot in Zbrush that gets bridged over to, to Photoshop. You can kind of paint on the seams and then project that back and <laughs> it's just ridiculous when you think about it now. But right. her birthday was coming up and she said, Okay, we are well, having a little little get together and dinner or something. And uh so I ended up going out for that and met this this lady, uh who, uh, who I stayed in touch with uh, and is now my wife. So uh, <laughs> long story short, but obviously she lived in, lived in Vancouver and uh, I went back to the Netherlands. My contract was ending and uh, the, uh, yeah, we just stayed in touch through, through the web and just got to know each other. And at a certain point, I felt, okay, i, I got to get out of here again. I'm, I'm, I'm getting itchy. I don't want to sit in my, my room here. I want to work on something again. And sure enough, and this is really funny because it was, I think, hours from each other, I get two emails Okay. out of the blue. One was from MPC and one was from Prime Focus, which was essentially Frantic Films before right. they got bought out. And uh, it was for the exact same show. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Like out of the blue, like like hours apart from each other. Like I said, the world was a bit smaller back then, it seemed. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we have some characters, there's some double work and uh, there's a show called Sucker Punch. Right. Directed by Zack Snyder. I, was like, I can't believe it. So I told uh, Aisha and my wife, back then, nothing serious, but just we had met and she had come to the Netherlands to visit me. It was was wonderful. So things had gotten a little more serious. And I said, well, you wouldn't believe it, but it's, it seems like destiny is pushing me once again back to Vancouver. Right. Uh, and I have this opportunity to, to, to work on, on this project, Sucker Punch, and it's either at this place called MPC or, or Prime Focus, which is Chris Harvey and my old friends from Frantic. Right. And she just asked, okay, well, where are these places? And I said, well, let me, I looked at the, uh, at the addresses and Prime Focus was literally two blocks away from her apartment. <laughs> and she told me that. So I said, all right. so <laughs> I'm <laughs> <started> moving in.
0: <laughs> Decision made. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> Decision made. And, uh, that, yeah, so I was back in Vancouver and stayed for eight or nine years, ten. Wow. Long okay. time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Were you at Prime Focus the whole time? No, no. Um,
2: Sucker Punch was one project, and another project that tied into that was Tron Legacy.
0: Oh, I was on Tron Legacy, yeah.
2: Yes, uh, which was wonderful, because that was a f- that was an interesting project for me. I know you've spoken to Dimitri mm-hmm. um, who I worked with on that show, and of oh, course right. Chris, yeah. uh, which was which was interesting because I had been primarily modeling and, and doing creature stuff and a bit of dabbled in some design here and there. Right. And, and Chris mentioned, Hey, we're going to be doing this, this show Tron. And have you ever considered doing matte painting? I was like, what do you mean? Matt? No, not really. That, right. I think you'd be quite good at it. Would you, huh? Would you? <laughs> I was like, all right, well, let me think about it. And, uh, the style of the project was so 3d based that, I think it was a really interesting hybrid and ended up saying yes. And it was a great, great opportunity because all of a sudden I I was in a position where instead of worrying about, well, one element within the frame, it is now the entirety of the frame I get to concern myself about, which was very interesting to me and um, learned a lot on that, that show. I mean, it's heavily art directed, of course, and stylized. And we were, Concerning ourselves with a um, with a chunk of it, the main vendor, of course, was Digital Domain, and we got some assets from them, um, and started working on that, and, and, and painting on top of it, and just learning that as, as going going through the project, really. Um, but that really opened my eyes how much I enjoyed that, because before then it was like, wow, wouldn't it be, you know, back to the Rick Baker moment? It was like this did, that'd be kind of wicked to just hone your crafts, you know, digital creatures to the point where you, you know, are it's like world world renowned for that very specific thing. And I thought that was kind of direct the direction I was aiming for until I realized I actually really enjoy thinking about the composition within the frame or the bigger picture, lighting right. and mood and all of those things. So um yeah, thanks to Chris for saying you want to give it a go. We could, this is a kind of shot in the dark, but I'm I'm so happy that it was late nights and me and Dimitri just he was working on on the look dev for the for the Solar Sailor and I was trying to wrap my head around what this I think it was called the sub level. Oh right. Under underneath the city, what that was mm-hmm. gonna look like. We had a piece of concept art, but a lot of it had to be figured out. But start kid bash some of those wonderful dd assets mm-hmm. and, and and constructing something that could work but yeah. it's ridiculous thinking about how that that trust came to <laughs> to this kid yeah but <laughs> never really did before uh, yeah uh, you you must know mark mark rienzo
0: yeah of course yeah
2: so so mark <laughs> would would come by after his day shift at dd yep and he'd like sort of check in, he was given that, <laughs> that role as like third party vendor. Yeah, he was the, yeah, he was the, uh, the,
0: the, the outsource supervisor. And that's outsource was, supervisor, right?
2: sure. Yes. <laughs> but he'd he come by and it was a very, very relaxed sort of atmosphere. But I was always at my desk till what seemed like midnight. And yep. uh, so we, we chatted a little bit and we, we're still in touch, vaguely, because yeah. he's, he's gone on to do some. Wonderful stuff for Marvel, and our paths have sort of almost crossed, but more parallel than anything. There's not a lot of right. overlap. But um, yeah, got, got to meet him and uh, work a little bit with him and, and learned a tremendous amount. Enough to sort of change my, my way of thinking of what, what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go with all this. Yeah. It happened on Tron. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh- yeah. So, at, so, so, so you, were, you were at Prime Focus, you were working on Tron. I guess that was the first time you dabbled in, in matte painting. But that, did you yes. start to realize that you wanted to look beyond certain things? Or did that give you an ish to explore other crafts? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Because it, it made me realize how, how enjoyable that is and how fulfilling and rewarding it is to, to essentially take something that was before previs was that common. I don't recall if we had any like previs previz. May have right. some rough blocking of, of of scenes, but it was essentially okay. We have this environment, figure it out, and to yep. take that from from start to finish was, um, and then to have that just you know, d- uh, eventually become uh, become reality on the screen, faux reality that is. But but regardless, uh, very rewarding, and I, I enjoyed that. And then. I noticed how much I enjoyed... I've always enjoyed designing, like not just the, uh, the artisan way of making a beautiful sculpture but as a modeler would do, but also, you know, concerning myself with why things look a certain way or can it be better or anyway, just, just creative process of thinking of this stuff. And I felt there was maybe a way to, uh, to, to dabble in that a little bit more through matte painting. But my n- my next step actually was was not so much map panic. It was actually joining DD in Vancouver, which had just opened up and was working uh, was finishing up Tron, obviously. And Thor was the, uh, the oh, next right. one up. Yeah, so that's where I got to work with Miguel, uh, right. who had been brought over to Vancouver for that, and uh, and and. and, and it would be fun. So he was, are you available? And I was, oh, man, it'd be a blast to work together, actually right. in person. And so he got me, uh, he got me in on, uh, on that, on Thor, right. on the, uh, at DD. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that was back to, to well, back to, <laughs> it's not like it was a huge, huge diversion, but um, yeah, working on, uh, on models and, and Digi Doubles did uh, the Digi Double for King Laffy. The King of the okay. Frost Giants, yep. uh, played by Colm Fior, uh-huh. which was uh, which was fun, and it was especially fun because m- my friend Arjen, who's a special effects makeup artist, Arjen Tuyten, he did the the physical appliances for Colm. So I think he was working at Stan Winston's at the time. At the time, uh-huh. and he did the makeup for for Lafay. So nice. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm working on Thor like oh cool (laughs) and he he sort of mentioned that what he did and I said okay this is probably you know breaking all sorts of NDAs but you will not believe it I'm doing the digital version of your work (laughs) so what he did was like well let me help you and he sent me all these photographs of the original sculptures like just this um Chavant clay sculptures with details beautifully visible and these initial test and wonderful close-up reference that we we didn't have access to we that didn't pop up (laughs) so it's really funny that it got this inside scoop to um to really nailing that asset and uh which was fun and then quite quite rewarding because uh i don't know later in production i guess a couple shots were conceived where they needed a digital version of, of that particular character so that was cool to see uh, see it being used for that and uh, ending up on screen the way it did. And then, uh, well, a lot of rocks, I remember that. Less excited about that, but hey, <laughs> gotta do it, right? We all have to go through that phase. Just yeah. build a bunch of rocks. because so we were yeah. doing the, the, the Jotunheim area, and you know, mountains and rocks and all that. And uh, did that, finished it up, um, then did a few months on Jack the Giant.
0: Oh boy. Killer by then, <laughs> later
2: known as Slayer. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Did things. I, this was at a time, I suppose, that there was a lot of sort of animosity. I don't know if you've noticed any of that, but between. It's something I've become. Or I'm trying to be very aware of. With different locations under the same studio umbrella, right? And on Jack, the all the giants, the the, the creatures were being done. I believe in San Francisco. It was just a sort of a, a temporary or a shuttle office opened there. Yep. And the, the mood in, in the Vancouver office wasn't great because we felt like Miguel and, and myself and a bunch of other unbelievably talented people. Uh, I don't know if you know Miguel's uh, girlfriend, Tran. Yeah, Tran, of course. incredible artist. And we felt like we have this, you know, world-class team. I don't mean to say that in an arrogant way, but we were, you know, eager to to flex our, our creative muscles a little bit. And it seemed like all the the hero giant work and creature stuff was going to San Francisco. So
0: there was a lot that was that, that show I was, I was not part of it at DD, but that show was the most political show ever Uh done at DD. And I think the part of the reason was, that there was a lot of people in uh, management at DD at the time that came from ILM and they were insistent that the only quality visual effects artist out there came from ILM and are based in the Bay Area. Oh, I see. And yeah, that's, yeah. that was kind of, and that you're absolutely right because there was like the We Are The Elite studio in San Francisco. Yeah. And it's like out of nowhere, it's like Digital Domain has been in Venice, California forever. And why is this suddenly the thing? Uh, but at, at that, that... I mean, obviously, a lot of that, that's a long that's that was a long time ago many digital domains ago <laughs> but yeah, uh, but we yeah need it was to linger on that but no we don't no we don't no. i mean it, and it was a it was a painful show and i and i think a lot of people suffered through it and that wasn't fair you're right it wasn't fair people in people in the venice office felt the same way that the vancouver office believe it, it and yeah. that. so
2: i think i would have dealt with the whole situation a little different now but back then i was still am to a certain degree quite an emotional guy and you know, just very passionate. And I was like, fuck yeah. this place and they're not taking it <laughs> serious. So I was like, uh, try, go go elsewhere. Most of, mostly immature on my part, honestly, but the mood wasn't great. It was, yeah. and that's what I was trying to say, that there's no necessity for that to make one right. facility feel like the B team. It's so unnecessary, that stress and tension. Right. Uh, but it was, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't have to explain it to you. you no, you get I, was, it. It was I was diplomatic. I was, it, was, it was political. Mm-hmm.
0: I was watching it from the other side of the wall and going, "Ooh." With, with, really the popcorn, but. <laughs> yeah, with the popcorn, with the popcorn, was like, ugh. Yeah. I think he was nicknamed Jack the Studio Killer at one point. That stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It, that was a rough one. But yeah. um, I didn't sit it out to the end. Uh, okay, and ended up going to a place called Look Effects. Oh yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but they had a fun little quirky zombie comedy by the name of Warm Bodies. Oh, I, I don't love know that! You've never seen that. But yeah, it was a, yeah, that some some creature work for that, and again, very similar to the Frantic Film Situation. It's like we have landed this work, and uh, for, <laughs> it's like how it's so new and fresh for you guys. But they got it, and uh, they needed a creature guy, so I, I joined and. Got to work with my old buddy Dimitri on that who did the look dev for the yep. uh, the bony bonies, the bony creatures, these these decrepit, dark, kinda of zombie s- skeletal yep. entities, the enemies in the uh, in that movie. Yeah. So that was really fun and we did a bit of that.
0: It's a zombie love story.
2: It's zombie, a zombie love zombie. story, yes. It's a particular niche genre. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, this that's fun kind of yeah. again that that vibe like twenty five maybe thirty people in one office, super yeah. personal and uh just and people that was to in know Vancouver too right yeah that was still Vancouver. Vancouver.
0: that was still in Vancouver right yeah,
2: their first show there they just had opened up um uh in Vancouver um so that was really fun um and then what else there were was a bit of game of Thrones work there, just mm-hmm. as sort of a 911, oh my gosh, we have additional work and we have no home for it, can you guys help out? Which was which was great, but nothing to write home about, just a handful of shots. And then there was Darren Aronofsky's NOAH, we did a little bit of work on that. Um, but as that was just about to start, I got a call for, from a f- former colleague, Um, John Cowley who was at Prime Focus Mm -hmm. and they were just starting to get their hands dirty on Sin City 2 Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For I don't know if you've seen it but Mm. no (laughs) Um, interesting and they were looking for an art director which is just from a a career perspective was an interesting thing Um, again kind of came out of the blue I had dabbled in Modeling and, and sculpting and matte painting and concept work and did a lot of like personal like paintings and just co- concepts I did just for myself. And John had seen these and said, "We're looking just for somebody to to help all of this along because the movie, the movie had a, had been shot already and edited. The movie was done. There was just no environments. The whole thing Robert Rodriguez had shot was on a green screen stage." Right. In Texas and yet and that was it we had a couch and a table every once in a while but everything else needed to be designed built and, and comped yep uh, heavily stylized like wanted to push it further than what, what had been done for the first one the first movie I love uh, incredible uh, fan of that um, but this was going to be a bit closer to uh, to Frank Miller's original comics even so that sounded really interesting, and um, yeah, ended up doing that for a year over at Prime Focus, which I believe was actually co-producing the movie. They were production partners on that, and uh, yeah, the task of designing the entire movie around a film that had already been finished was a really bizarre, unique opportunity to okay, we need a doctor's office or a back alley or a big mansion, and then we need this room it was almost like virtual production designing working with a team of concept artists and storyboard. And, uh, one of the best things for me there was to Aisha, my wife, she's, she's a classically trained animator mm-hmm. and I actually got to bring her on as a storyboard artist for that, which was oh, wow. awesome. So we got to work together, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, now there's, there's been a plenty of good opportunities there. Um, or experiences on that on that project and plenty of less great <laughs> less great experiences, but no, it was all in all really cool to do that. Nice. Um Yeah, gosh. Going on a trip here, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels like yeah. therapy. Just talk about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Okay, so so you were back at Prime Focus. You're working on that. You started a new yeah. kind of skill set of art direction. <laughs> yes. Right. yes.
2: Yeah. And realized how much I enjoyed working with people and essentially getting the satisfaction out of creating a much larger body of work and often just guiding that by, by simple feedback or paint overs. But I found that just as rewarding or even more so than i had realized like it's actually really cool to to i guess i wouldn't say improve but to help people get to that final final image and get that approved by a director and and design a movie it was creatively incredibly fulfilling and it, it made me realize how much i liked that or how comfortable I was with with that, rather than doing the painting myself. And um, so it was an interesting eye-opener for me being in that role. Um, I feel I should mention Alex Nice here as well. Oh, yeah. You know all the same people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alex and I had met on Tron, actually. We were both mad painting, and he he had more clearly uh, more experience in that field than myself and Alex um Alex w- wanted to and successfully did uh focus more on, on purely conceptual work. So I was able to bring him on to Sin City and work with him and he he did some fantastic illustrations for us, helping shape that movie. But he was part of that as well. So yeah it, it it's it feels like wow you like bouncing all over the place, but there's always been sort of a human component that made sense at the time. Like people I enjoyed working with or gave a, a sort of le- legitimacy to to a project or a studio that I felt this could be really interesting. And at this time I could sort of re- return the favor and, and work with Alex again. And it was great. And yeah, that was about a year and a bit, 14 months maybe. Uh, at which point Scanline... <laughs> came around. They had just opened up in Vancouver. Yeah. And said, oh, we're looking for for an art director. And apparently you are one. Yes, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. And, yeah, we're getting a little closer to present day now. But that's how I got there.
0: Wow, okay. So you've been at Scanline for a while then. Yeah. Yeah, six years now. Six, seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, so... I just keep on blabbing. I feel this is. Don't worry about it. This is
0: great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're great. So <laughs> you right. did. I mean, you've done a uh, you've done a bunch of work at at uh, at, uh, at Scanline. Yes. What what are some of your favorite projects? Well, I think. How about, yeah. I'll,
2: I think what happened at Scanline was was interesting because, as I joined, it was very much the the, the sort of the role of make sense of this or help us fix this. That That's kind of the two big things. Like either the concept art we got from production was so rough that I was asked, can you take a look at this and do a more refined version of it to help our modeling team or our, you know, our, our artists along to, to make sense of this and instill sure. a bit of, you know, real world reference into it that we can then uh, use. So there was a lot of that. There was some like blue sky design work for Batman, I remember, which was quite fun, for Batman v Superman. Like uh, the Batcave, what does this tunnel look like? Or how does it open? Or we were doing Memor- Memorial Park for that. Um, just, as, you know, with the, uh, the big Superman statue, some... Um, yeah, just making sense of those environments that were going to always be completely virtual and um th- there was no real design for them yet, so what was interesting about that particular project for that specific task was, okay, so the uh, the task itself was essentially, what does a memorial park on a former the, the idea is okay this is a part of downtown metropolis that's been completely flattened in a fight between uh between Superman and uh, was it Zod? The, uh, I, I, I think, think so. It? Yeah, in the in, uh, in, in previous Superman movie. So, A, what does this area look like by now? We're X years further along. And what could a memorial look like? Uh, and there were some ideas for that, but mainly the, just the environment around it. And what is interesting and something that I, I dearly love about the work in general is the research process where you sort of you're asked to kind of become an overnight expert on the most random of topics, or at least to the point of believability. At this point, it was like, okay, what does a, a site of a, of a terrible tragedy look like? So I ended up looking at a lot of nine um, eleven documentary footage,
1: mm.
2: and I remember that because it was. <laughs> pretty tough days because what does that you know what is a site of something like you know where where two massive buildings have collapsed and all that destruction what does that cleanup process really look like you know how does that what does ground zero what did ground zero look like half a year a month a year two years after What, what did those places look like so I remember just being incredibly like, oh my God, like heavy hearted going home, just exposing myself to all that stuff to to kind of make sense of it and to have something to latch onto like, okay, I think so. We still have construction pits over here and then maybe there's some, you know, still leftover debris here and this would have been flat and right. that would have been cleaned up. And you probably would have still have scaffolding around the buildings that are still standing, but all of that is based on something. Um, yeah, getting into that design process was in a way rewarding because well, it had to be thought of from the ground up. And I remember it because it was as emotionally loaded as it was. But other than that, I think I'm going to segue a little bit here, but we Scanline was awarded a project um, called Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, mm-hmm. the Tim Burton film. And, uh, at that time especially and to to a degree now as well but any anything that had any water CG water scanline would usually be on top of the list of like that's the place you want to go to right so uh, this, the the sequences that scanline were awarded sure enough was a big underwater portion of the mo- of the movie um have you seen the film by oh, any yeah. chance so we, what we got initially was we have this sequence it's in a shipwreck the ship called the augusta you can think of it as the titanic but it's laying on the bottom of the the welsh channel and um uh, we uh we don't quite know what these areas look like yet can you guys help us out so the uh the owner of scanline stefan he, he said okay we we need your help on this can you take a look at this so they have a set the, this cocktail lounge set that they built practically but we have this dining room and this atrium with beautiful big staircase. At least that's what they want. Can you, can you give them something? So it was, it was pretty rough. Um, but I, I, uh, I started, again, digging into reference, like, okay, what's the design language of these transatlantic golden age, you know, s- steamboats? Like, what, what makes them look the way they do on the interior? Mm-hmm. And you come up, yeah, so... We all know the Titanic, but we don't want to copy that verbatim. So we learned about other ships like the the Britannic, the, uh, oh my gosh, what else did we have?
0: Queen Elizabeth, probably. No,
2: the, oh my Lord. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's time for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I started digging into that, that process of just learning about these old ships and how they were made and all the, the, the quirks about okay, I'm looking at a, a photo of uh of a dining a grand first class dining room and all the the chairs are bolted down and kinda of swivel around. Those kind of things that make perfect sense when you see them, but sure you kind of have to, to, to learn about that and the proportion. So I did some 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 sketches for that. Um and then worked with our modeling department to block that out, got some renders back and and did extensive paint overs and presented all of that as essentially a package to uh, back to, to uh, the people at Fox who were producing the movie. Um, so it was a combination of sort of architectural, well, bogus architectural drawings. You, you could shoot holes into it, I'm sure, but <laughs> elevations and sort of plans and, mm-hmm. uh, and then some more finely, like really polished photographic paintings. Like, okay, right. This is what we think, and then this would be the mood, and seaweed, and ripped uh, fabric, and, and the light, and all of that. So that's a couple keyframe illustrations. And I presented that first to Stefani. He so said, okay, just repeat exactly what you said to uh, to Fraser and Hal, who were the... Fraser Churchill was the, the VFX supervisor for mm-hmm. Fox on that movie. And I did, so it was a little spiel, and I like, made a little design package and put that in front of him and that's great let me show it to tim and uh like okay that went that went easy (laughs) and sure enough like tim burton was like yeah those look like frames for my movie do that so that was incredible i was like wow tim burton damn (laughs) that's (laughs) amazing and uh and then again just out of the blue for me because i was okay I'm, i'm really enjoying You know, this this create being creatively involved, thinking of what would something look like, what would make sense and what besides that, what would work for the sequence and make it look as beautiful as it possibly could. I started to really enjoy that in my role as art director. And then Stefan is like, So, um, have you ever considered supervising? (laughs) Like, (laughs) wait, what? He uh, was dead serious it's like well yeah i mean you present your stuff well you clearly have a good a strong idea about what things could look like so i think you'd be really good at it and in my mind i'm going like what visual effects supervise i thought you had to be like john knoll essentially write photoshop you know right. to, to have any credibility in that <laughs> field so for me it came as a big surprise and i felt like You know, I have so many shortcomings, you know, in terms of my technical prowess and expertise for what do I know? It's like, trust me, just do it. It's like, all right, I'll just do it. (laughs) And my God, I'm so happy that I did because it was, it turned out like you asked, you know, about what was a memorable project? Well, that really was because of the experience of essentially taking something from script to then thinking, what could it look like? doing the paintings, presenting them, the director saying, yes, that please. And then seeing all the shots through to completion.
0: Yeah.
2: And I can still look at those frames and put them next to the paintings. I did. And it's like, they're so close. So I really felt like I was able to put something yeah. on myself on there, uh, yeah. on, on the, on the, on the screen, incredibly rewarding. Creative. it's a
0: beautiful sequence i love that sequence especially when Thank she sucks you. in all the water and that's just amazing. yes yeah <laughs> it's incredible yeah uh yeah well uh, all the
2: props to some of the genius people at scanline because yeah. they they know my background they know exactly uh you know i i i try to help out where i can and do paintings and you know, just visualize things. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not the guy that says, you know, these are the the parameters or the the functions you need to change in order to improve the effects. But they've got some of the world's best people for that. These these German scientists, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they'll figure it out. I don't I don't need to interfere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice, nice. Okay, so what was your first job as a VFX supervisor there?
2: It it, it would have been yeah, Miss Peregrine.
0: Miss Peregrine. That's awesome.
2: This uh, segue from art directing into you Visual went right into,
0: supervision oh wow that's cool that's yeah. really cool all right
2: yes yeah, so it was it was uh, was it was a big learning experience and the way I fell into it, which is truly what it is, fell into it I, it was a bit uncertain and it was um, or insecure in many ways about it, but so many people said just you know you have such a strong idea about what you want it's so helpful for us, and you get you can always paint it so I started to get a little bit more confidence knowing that, okay, it seems that people are, are able to work with what I'm giving them. And I think the end result is pretty good. And it got some really positive uh, responses from both Fraser and, uh, and, and Tim Burton himself. It's just, okay, well, maybe, maybe this is it for me. And awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: awesome. yeah awesome. that's,
2: that's how that happened.
0: Well, cool. The, the supervising thing. <laughs> the supervising thing. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I want to make sure we are able to talk about you know some of the uh, the, the more current projects you, you you've, uh, you've been working on. I just actually uh, last or a few days ago watched the Eternals, which was pretty oh, okay. awesome. So All I right. was able to see that, which was uh, you know that was the first time I've ever been in a theater in since the pandemic. So that was a little bit <laughs> an emotional moment. Yeah. Should say. Yeah. Have you seen it? Obviously you've seen it. Many times. <laughs> Many Various times. stages. Yeah. Various stages. But yes. I have
2: seen the, uh, the 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 finished version. Right. The alleged finished version now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I've I've seen it. It's uh, I mean it's it's always bittersweet for me seeing the finished yeah. products because I, and I usually need a little time to decompress. Sure. And get some distance between doing the work and seeing the work. And that yeah. usually is for me, I think two or three years when I can look at it objectively and yep. possibly enjoy it. But right now it's like probably not the right guy to ask what I think of it <laughs> 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 because all I can tell you is how it could have been better, at least right. how I think it may have it could have been better, but it is what it is. Those movies are, are such creative marvels, pardon the pun, but, um, mm-hmm. That was a particularly challenging project for many reasons, mostly because it was completely done remotely. Yeah, I was going to that. During the pandemic, all of a sudden that switch and doing a movie of that caliber, yeah, yeah.
0: that's crazy. What was that like?
2: What was that like? Um, gosh, well, the fortunate thing was that Scanline was well prepared for it in a way, um because we have been using uh PC over IP technology for a while, like right. the our physical machines have always been in a in a Los Angeles data center highly secured. Right. And while I was working in Vancouver, I'm in London right now. Uh oh, but okay.
0: <laughs> even,
2: yeah, even in Vancouver, I um we never had a physical uh machine at our desk. It was always already connected. Um, through a fiber line to to the to Los Angeles data center, so that was no different in London when we opened that, which was another memorable aspect uh to uh, for me it was an opportunity to live a little closer back home again mm-hmm. and move to uh, to London, which is only an hour's flight away from the Netherlands, which is nice um, but to do that show but uh, yeah in in a way we we were already working remotely. All we had was our monitors and a little pod connecting us to our workstations in LA. Right. And miraculously, yeah, that is, we're at a day and age where that is virtually no different than having your machine under your desk. As incredible. So um, when it came time to depend, <laughs> when it came time, when the pandemic struck and it, became obvious like this thing is serious and it's here to stay stefan was ahead of the curve and he just ordered a thousand a thousand of these pods and at a certain point that the call was made all right guys take a monitor take two if you need it take a wacom tablet here's a little firewall and a and a pod and we're going to try this work from home thing and it literally happened overnight and it was as seamless as I could have never thought that there was virtually no difference wow. for for us, like and that sort of proof that the only way, only thing that was really in the way of of making that happen has been the the studios, the you know Disney's and the Warner Brothers, and their their strict contracts. Okay, we need people in a secure location that is that we can monitor. So far, we've been pretty good proving that that wasn't that concern wasn't as necessary perhaps but
0: well they weren't going to get a movie otherwise <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. so they were forced to go i mean i think I, I don't want to say anything that they were wrong about it but they did they were extremely strict they, i mean they treated their ip like it was the you know the the pentagon codes to the bombs right and so but yes. they, they didn't it they, we I think the pandemic proved that that's not necessarily you, you can you can create a system where people can work from home and it still works if you find the right envelope around it right yeah
2: it, it comes with a level of trust that I think is at a certain point necessary or nothing will ever get made but right. yeah, we've been we've been good we were all asked you know kind of show what your work situation is like at home like <laughs> in case you're you're working in the, in front of a giant window. We may need to ask you to put up some shutters, right? But um, yeah, other than that, it was so smooth, uh, and it just—I I, personally—I miss having a big screen to review things on, right? Because you just catch different things. I mean, the bigger picture um, helps with catching stuff that you don't see on a regular monitor. So sitting in a theater, you. you you just pay attention to different stuff. At least I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little different. Um, and personally, I am right now at this stage. I am. I am missing seeing people and just. It's. It's the. It's not so much the reviews because for me that is sitting in a dark theater room looking at a screen. It's not like I'm looking people in the eye while we're talking. But it's the right. you know, getting a coffee, walking past people. Like, oh, what was that? What are you working on there? We're seeing people on, on different that are working, perhaps on different projects, and that kind of interaction is, is what I've started to miss. But from a productivity and a production point of view, I mean it's 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 worked remarkably well. I think I, I haven't noticed much of that. Everybody's as has adapted to it so quickly, and um, yeah, fascinating, really.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. Do you think that this is going to be something that's going to Stay in a lot of ways, or I, some I think form it's of it?
2: definitely going to stay. And if it's not going to stay, I think people will demand it. I mean, for many people, this it has been an incredibly, you know, silver lining, uh, especially in in times of you know crunch time, where all of a sudden they, uh, you know, colleagues of mine get to have lunch with their families every day or <laughs> see their kids, and then. I hear other colleagues saying, oh, my God, get me away from these kids <laughs> <laughs> in an office again. It's so mm-hmm. personal, but I think it's going to have to be at least something that can be negotiated by, yeah. by people, that, uh, artists, Say, right. I want to have the ability to work from home. Right. Um, even if, you know, let's hope when this all passes, it, it won't necessarily be needed or necessary anymore.
0: Well, I, I think that people the, like the, it. You're, you're, there's so much, uh, you know, we, we mentioned at the beginning, there's so much content being made and there's such a demand for artists right now that I think the studios are going to be obligated to be flexible so that <laughs> they can allow for some of those people to do what they want to do, you know?
2: I, I think so, and I think it has many benefits. I mean, you live in L.A. yourself. I've spent mm. a little bit of time in L.A., enough to know about the commuting and the traffic.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm sure many
2: people don't miss those two and a half hours they spend in their cars. Nope. And um, yeah, I think a, a hybrid f- for me, and I'm sure there's, there's other people that would agree, is it would be ideal. Right. Like I would love to get some FaceTime in. I would love to review things on a big screen a few times when we're, when we're getting in that, into that stage where it is about polishing the images and looking at potential final comps. From a creative point of view, that would help, but there's solutions for that. But the the, um, the yeah the idea that uh, of a hybrid where you can work from home perfectly fine, but you know have a little bit more of a of a social sort of work life and get some FaceTime in with people and that sense of a, a bit more that sense of camaraderie get that back into the picture would be I think would be uh, a wonderful mix if that were to be a reality.
0: Do you think also in terms of talent, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, you work from home when when you're in the Netherlands or whatever, but now suddenly because, you know, you're you're being more flexible. I noticed for for example, this this podcast, right? I used to only do them in person because that was my, my stance and then the pandemic happened and I had to be more flexible about it, right? And now suddenly I'm talking to you and I didn't even know you were in London. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know where he is, but I'm talking to him and this is great. So do you think that that's something that, you know, you can sort of look at a, a broader talent pool that's out there because you yeah. can basically work from anywhere?
2: Yes, yes. And and no, there's still restrictions. Obviously the industry is very much based on tax incentives, as you would know. Yep. And the work often goes to the places where bi- the biggest rebates can be, earned by the studios awarding the work, um, that's always going to be the case. And contractually at times uh, visual effects houses are being held to that. You're going to get the work, but we need a certain percentage of it to be done in London, in Munich, in Vancouver and all these other places for specific tax credits. so you do need a majority of people to be tax residents of certain places to be eligible for that. Will that change? I don't know. There's, it, it has larger implications than just the ability to work from home to which, you know, that is not an issue anymore. As long mm-hmm. as you're somewhat proficient in English, you can show up at the right times. That's fine. Uh, and, and you produce good work. I mean, <laughs> yep. okay. Maybe that, but um but there is, there is that side of the business, the contractual obligations to... Well, when the, when the British government has these grants, for instance, they expect, it, it's, it's for one reason, which is to create jobs in, well, in this case, in London, and to get people uh, work here. So when then, you know, if Scanline would say, sure, we'll take the work, but, you know, meanwhile, the people actually doing the work are in wherever right it doesn't work like that so but there is a level of flexibility and and scanline has embraced that and we have a quite a, a significant component of our current team we've gone through a big big growth spurt over the last 2 years really mm-hmm. and a lot of those people yeah they are remote and here in london everybody's remote right now we don't really have a physical presence at the moment right uh, so yeah hard to say where that's going to go but
0: yeah. yeah, it seems no like Scan Scanline's hiring everyone. <laughs> everyone, you <else>. think so? <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot of my a lot of friends I know are, are have gone to Scanline, which is which is uh, great. I think this is a really good good uh, good growth. Well, I, th- I
2: think everybody is looking for people because the sheer amount of content being created. I mean, it's yeah. when I got started in this, or when I just started to figure out what I wanted to do. It was. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Jurassic Park, but it's these, these once a decade kind of movies that sort of shaped that feeling of like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be part of these the telling of these incredible stories. And now, I mean, we have so much content and it's not just the theatrical releases, but we have Netflix, HBO, we have Disney plus, Mm -hmm. um, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. it's, 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 there's so much stuff and so much work. I think everybody's hungry for talent, and uh, that's not a bad thing, but it is, um, yeah, there's, we deal with our fair share of competition as well. I mean, people seem to have plenty of options at the moment. It's, uh, it's the heyday for, for the artists, I think, getting... Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, that's what I've been. That's what I've been hearing for sure. I've I haven't been on you know I've haven't been in the visual effects, uh, production side for for a while. But I speak to obviously tons of people. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone like it is, it is a uh, 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 the artist advantage artist right now. (laughs) You know, and everyone's trying to find those that talent, and it's been uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it doesn't come without complications, but. I think, in general, it's a it's a good thing, and it's it's definitely an interesting step for the industry as a whole. Right. Um, the, the working from home part has, has has not been entirely negative. I think it's going it's upset the landscape enough that it's going to have some some lasting repercussions on the way we work and 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 what it means to work in visual effects. Period, right. and the expectations of that but many good things and yeah no, it's not perfect but it's, it's it's not entirely bad i think for anyone
0: right 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 well that's amazing uh i think it's going to be interesting uh and uh you know we we've, we've actually been on over an hour which is which is great uh, and i'm uh, i'm very uh like it's Really, I, I love this. I love your your story. <laughs> your story is fantastic, <laughs> uh, and obviously, the work uh, at Scanline that you guys are doing there—it's uh, really cool. And I think Stefan did a really wise thing of pushing you into that, into being a VFX oh, th- <laughs> Well, I guess it's a yeah. compliment
2: to Stefan, but thank you. I'll take it regardless. Well, I
0: think, I think, I think he's. I you know. The thing is, seeing talent is something that's very important, and I think that uh, sometimes we don't always notice it in ourselves. And uh, and I think that uh, uh, being able to do that is is really great. And I love the story of of that of that show that you were of uh, um, uh, you know the, the the ship designing the ship and figuring out what it's like and, and yeah. understanding that. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, with Stefan, but also with the other other moments. Whether it was from Chris. from john it's always been for me it came at a time where i was hyper focused on being the best at what i was trying to be doing at the time and then being offered something that i hadn't really actively thought about and it's it's learned me it's taught me sorry that's a dutchism for you right there (laughs) it's (laughs) it, it taught me to you know be in general, not try to plan too much, because improvisation is, is probably your best friend in this right. business as it is. But yeah, life just has a way to, to, to figure things out for you. There's, there's not that much you can do about it. Be along for the ride and at least look in the right direction when opportunities come along. And sometimes, yeah, take a leap of faith and take these opportunities, but I couldn't have planned any of it, honestly.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you being on and being able to talk to us well, about, thank you. about your story. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks great. And congratulations on uh, all the amazing work that you guys have done.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. Okay, well, hopefully you stay- get to, to meet in person one day because I feel you owe me
0: a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I've deal. I've, missed, I've missed out. Deal, <laughs> deal, deal. Yeah, because it's already your evening uh, in London, so. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's past happy hour here, Chris. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry, it's, I'm still drinking coffee. I'm still getting things going. That's <laughs> your excuse, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, definitely. it would
2: be would Thank be wonderful you. to to meet in person. For sure. For Who knows? Sure.
0: All right. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me.